Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Not Yet Rated. My name is Dean James. Great to have your company. And on this week's episode, it was Pi's choice to choose a film. And we knocked on the door of the art house. We really did. It is art house to the absolute extreme, this film. Psychedelia Western. Oh, and the modern Western, but in black and white. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Just because this film is. Because any stranger. Everyone who's ever taken a black and white photo has wanted it to look like a frame from that film. Absolutely. And yes, we are talking about the 1995 Jim Jamush film, Dead Man. Dead Man. And while I was watching this film, I actually did feel like I was dead. (laughs) Do you know, I was watching this film and I was thinking, Dino is going to have such a problem with the pacing in this film. Yeah. He's also going to have a problem with the way that it's divided into individual short snippets. Yeah, I've got... Dip s- to black. Yeah. And, and dip to black. Oh, my God. Dip to black. <laughs> and it is a dip to black. I think we're going to end our podcast right now because you pretty much got it down pat. <laughs> <laughs> there was things because now that we've done this a little while and I've, I, I know a bit more about what you're into. Yep. The more I was watching it, I was like, he's going to like that. Oh, he's going to fucking hate that. Yeah, look, I've got some reservations. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. But mm. I'm going to start with some positives. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm going to start with some positives. Right. So I want to talk about um, how the film is actually established. And we're established to, well, Johnny Depp. He's William Blake. Yeah, William Blake he plays and he's on a train and he's on to he's on a train on this place to uh, it's called machine. machine. Like what the hell? Well, they used to name it after the industry and Did stuff they? like that. Yeah. Mm, okay. yeah well, it's not that I don't know. It's that's not, that, not that unusual. Isn't it? All right, cool. I don't know. It always remind me of the if you setting in looking, tremors, you know, like that sort of... The valley of perfection. Yeah, the valley of perfection. Exactly. See, one of the things... Okay, here we go. I'm going to play Psychic Dino, where I can All pick right. things that Dino would have liked. All right. Because he's on the train, yep. and one of the things that was interesting about it was that it was establishing how far from civilization he was going, but it wasn't necessarily focusing like most Westerns do on the grandeur of the environment. I agree, I agree. It was on the people in the train, and they they were subtly changing. You are onto something there because that was one of the positives about the starting <laughs> of the film. I think that Jim Jarmusch does really well. <laughs> Psychic part. I think he does really well in this film with regard to point of view. He yep. does really well with the character establishment and how point of view is represented because I'll give you a couple of examples. In the opening, you do see this prolonged... We understand, and this is the thing that frustrates me so much about this film with regard to <laughs> Jim Jarmusch's direction, is that I understand how the pacing of the film decreases as the narrative progresses. But in the opening, yeah. you've got these moments where he's using ellipsis and he's sort of prolonging the process of ellipsis, which is this idea where, you know, he's on the train and all of a sudden it goes to fade to black and then we see close-up shot of the train and the wheels and then we go back to him, he's reading the newspaper. Then we see it again and then he's doing something else. He's yeah. playing solitaire. Like, I understand what you're doing, Jim Jarmusch, with the, the ellipsis, the a point of um, passing time, but my God, you did it far too long. Yeah, he really stretched that out. but Far I mean, too long, far too long. But I think it was as well because you went through four yep. groups of characters that had yes. appeared on there. And then Crispin Glover decides to rock in. Yeah, and actually before I go to Crispin Glover, um, I, going back to the point of view thing, which I think was quite effective, and he does this through the use of editing, yeah. his cutaways, his cutaways to the reactions of people on the train. You yeah. can see that there's kind of these redneck, 
kind of guys with these big massive beards and he, he's frontier and then, types but then it goes back to William because he's dressed in this sort of checkered sh- um, sort Dandy of suit, suit and he's wearing this bow tie he's on his way to Machine because to he be received account. yeah he received a letter a job offer to go to Machine and essentially yeah to become an accountant and it's automatically and this is the thing that I liked about the opening sequence is the fact that Jim Jarmusch actually communicates how effective he is as an outsider compared to everybody else on the train yeah because when he starts it's comfortable exactly and then by the time Chris Glover rocks in mm. and the boy starts shooting buffaloes out of the windows of the train, yeah. he's a long yeah. way from home. And Chris Glover, you know, uh, George McFly, Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I first saw him, I thought, That guy's got on. an interesting filmography. Well, he does. And when I first saw him, I his face was covered. It, Soot. Yeah, yeah, like all the Because he's the boilerman on the train. Yeah, boilerman on the train. And he goes up to, just randomly just goes up to him and says, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm going there for a job. And he's basically pre-warning him and saying, don't Why go. Why are you coming to hell? Why are you going to hell? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly That's right. the end of the line. That is the end of the line. That's right. He's your ominous portent. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I think, especially with the front, like as the people change and as he's kind of drifting in and out of sleep in that section for yep. me, yep. I sort of see that as like, you know you're doomed. Absolutely. He's there a doomed man. No, there was nothing about the start of that film that made you think that there was a possible outcome that didn't lead that wasn't going to damned. I, I totally agree with that, and I think that the way that he introduces that idea is is quite good. I think up until a point, yeah, up until a point, and that's where I really sort of want to go to. But <laughs> um, yeah, so then obviously we go into machine. Hang and, on, hang on. Oh, okay. credits. I want to talk about the credits. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, those. Oh, there's this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it's like this 1990s transition where it's sort of like this big title just goes boom. Yeah, but it was also that thing that the Coen brothers do where they sort of zoom up and drop into space. I don't like it. And the like other thing it. is it makes, and it makes no sense the order in which the people that were in it. Yeah. Because it's like, and Robert Mitchum. Yeah. And somebody else. Yeah, and... Gabriel and, that, Byrne. and that's the other thing that um, I, I like. I mean, Jim Jarmusch has, for quite a number of his films had wonderful casts in incredible you know and this film does have a great cast i mean you've got johnny depp you've got chrisman glover you've got billy bob thornton you've got iggy pop <laughs> you got gabriel byrne you know some robert really mitchum. robert mitchum you john know john motherfucking hurt yeah john hurt i oh, know you've got a great cast holy shit it is a great cast now and then i i noticed um, alfred fucking molina yeah alfred yeah that's right alfred molina like, a, a great cast incredible and the other one that I noticed, um, because I haven't seen this film for a long, long time. I remember I watched it late on television one night when I was like 18. And for I have no idea what my reaction was to when that film. <laughs> when I first watched that film, I was probably, you know, so tired. I probably fell asleep during the film or something like that. I don't even remember, to be honest. I remember seeing it late on television one night, but I can't remember how I reacted to it. I went and saw it at the Nova when I was... 16. Oh, what a place to go and see it, actually. I saw it when I was 16. Did you? Okay, well, I'm going to come back to ask you how your reaction was at 16 compared to now. So hold on hold on to that thought, Pi. Hold on to that thought. So Machine's a shithole. Yeah, it is a (laughs) shithole. Literally, and this goes back to the effectiveness of the point of view that Jim Jarmusch represents because it goes back to the effectiveness of these cutaways. He walks through the main street. And those slow shots to the side glances, so you're seeing what he's seeing. the cutaways, the cutaways. So good. And that's the... one of the positives I have about the film is how well, the cinematography in this film you can't argue. I can't argue it, but there's there's <laughs> only a but for me. I 
I think that it's the black and white aesthetic. It doesn't fit in very well with the subject matter for me personally. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't. I thought I was going to react differently to the black and white aesthetic, but it actually detracted from the overall idea of where the film was going. So the aesthetic for the black and white, was it more around the characterization and the way that it was sort yep. of working? Or Exa- was it just- no, it's about the characterization for me. No kidding? Yep, no, I, I didn't react as well as I thought I was going to. And that was the other thing that disappointed me about this film. Like I tried very hard to think about, because I was – Mostly focusing on the genre of the film, yeah, and I just felt the post, the postmodern, and I understand the postmodern is of it, but it just, it just didn't grab me. It just didn't grab me. So because I mean, and that was one of the things that I was going to talk to you about because the thing is that. Like, so he walks through town and mm-hmm. you get these slow, and you get to see the detail and yeah. the wall and yeah. Every shot mm. of those cutaways has got a story. Yeah, oh, it does. And then he gets to the, you can see the grimness of the the steelworks. Yep, you do. And he gets in there and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And he meets John Hurt. Yeah, John Hurt. <laughs> who's got the stringy hair and he's kind of like, this was two months ago. Yeah. You don't, you don't have a job here. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You're done. Yeah. I want to talk to the boss. Do you now? <laughs> Do you? Yeah. And you go in there and see one of the first things that Robert Mitchum says when he finally pops out of nowhere yeah, with and a 12 gauge. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And Where he, did you get that goddamn yeah. clown and, suit? Now- and, See, there's a point. Now, would it have made more sense to you if you could have seen the colours of the suit? Well, that's the thing. Is it the kind of thing where the movie should have started in colour and just faded to black Possibly. and white towards the end? Possibly. And got more desaturated? Possibly. That's how I felt. I just didn't... Because the only thing that you knew about him mm. when he was on the train was that his clothing was different. Yeah. And his grooming was different. So mm. he was very clean. I would have liked he more... He had the haircut. Yeah. And you could see that it was like a check pattern suit and everyone mm. else is wearing, you know, frontier jackets. Yeah. And then the grizzly dudes are wearing big furs yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So, I mean, it's hard to get the geography of where they're going. And and that's the problem that I had with it. I, I almost feel that this needed some browns, some um, sepias, that kind of thing. I think yeah. I would have reacted a little bit better if it was had that in there. Right. I don't know. It just surprised me because I was looking forward to seeing this film because I knew the black and white aesthetic and that sort of thing. But when reacting to the genre of the film, the characterization, how the character sort of progressed as the narrative went on, yeah. it just didn't... It, it just didn't fit the bill to See, me. For me, my problem was when it was too tonal. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. Yep. Because when it was high contrast to me, I was like, oh my God, that's gorgeous. Because there were some scenes, nice shots. There's scenes when they're going through a forest where it's obviously got like yeah. fir trees, so they're black and white. Yeah. And there's close ups in it. Mm-hmm. So when he meets Thel, for example, yep. and you can sort of see and around the face mm-hmm. where it's really clean. Yeah. So some of the bits for me actually that lost it were when there was too much detail. Mm. The fawn's blood, like later in the film, yeah. um, when he puts that on. And also I think the final shots of the film, we'll get to it, but the final shots of the film, I can understand that being in black and white. Yeah. Um, you know, that slow descent into his death and, and that kind of thing. I can understand that. And I thought applications of black and white throughout parts of the story is fine. Yeah, but, but For I, the whole film, no, I, it doesn't work. I think it works incredibly well with the Native Americans as well. Oh, and it's an interesting point that you brought up about the Native Americans because I think the representation of Native Americans here is very strong. Yeah. It's very, very uh, authentic. Yeah. And I think that's uh, also a positive I do have about the film is about the representation of those characters. Well, nobody's fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> no one's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. I know. That, that's right. But I want to go back to I want to go back to Robert Mitchum. <laughs> 
Now, my <laughs> God, does he have a great voice. What a voice. He has an awesome voice. Holy shit. I wish I could talk like my, uh, Robert Mitchum. If you, I mean, what would you do? I'm not even going to do an accent because I'm sure our listeners already know I can't do accents very well. It's like, where? Oh, <laughs> He's so good. And he plays. so resonant yeah, and booming. And he plays uh, John Dickinson, who is the, the head, of Dickinson's head of Dickinson's Steel Metal, steel metal works? works, in which, um, yeah, William was meant to go and get a job as an accountant. Yeah, the only thing you're going to get here is a job pushing up daisies from a pine box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then after, yeah, he gets sort of yeah. So his character, gunpoint. his character has his gunpoint. parents have died. He's yeah. broken up with his fiance. And he's he got spent, no money. He spent all his money basically getting yeah, into there. So that's right. he forlornly walks into a bar. Yeah, he does. Asks for a bottle of whiskey, which is a great little. I know song. it's a great little. He hands over the the money, and yep. the guy, the bartender, just takes the whiskey and the money, and then comes back with a small smaller bottle. bottle. <laughs> I enjoyed no that. No words. Yeah, no words. It's Ouch. just a visual a visual representation of that. Yeah, so yeah. that was good. And it was obviously very clear that he was outside at that stage. Absolutely, he's outside sitting down having a drink, and then Thel gets thrown Thel. out. Yeah, Thel, who is a like a prostitute, former um, prostitute, former prostitute, ex prostitute. Yeah, exactly. Um, she gets pushed out of a bar because she's selling paper flour. Yep. And mm-hmm. he helps her up because he's a gentleman. Yeah, exactly. And they head back to her place. Yeah, exactly. And um, this is a point where um, I just want to reference a bit of a quote, which I thought was so prominent in this scene. So they're in the bed, right? And, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're both sitting there. And then Johnny Depp's character sees a gun. He pulls it out. And yeah. he pulls it out. And basically he says, why do you have this for? And then her reaction was, because this is America. Yeah. And I thought, my God, that is like the most important quote in like any American film when it comes to guns. Yeah. That's how I reacted to that quote. I thought, my God, like the importance of uh, that quote because it goes back to, you know, the issues that America has with gun control, gun laws, all the ownership of guns. But it, it just shows that it's eternal. Yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a great moment in, and see, so I'm going to segue slightly here, but there's a great moment in a Grand Theft Auto game. Yeah. Where a guy's looking for like to make like a gun with a silencer and this other guy's like, what are you doing? And he just pulls it out and hands it to him. And he's like, where the hell did you get that? And he's like, the same place I buy my pants. This is America. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's where we get our guns. Walmart and all those places. Oh, it's, it's quite scary. Now, did you go to art school? No. I, I know some fuckwit that did. Oh, okay. It well, was, you better explain who that fuckwit was. It was me. I know it was. <laughs> Do you know the significance of the name Thel? No. So that whole sequence is actually from a William Blake poem. Okay, because the William Blake, you we, know. You, do we need to address that element? Yeah, we better now. Yeah. But, well, actually, just before, do, do we come back to it, especially when, no, you know, the. Well, that entire sequence and that part of the film. So Gabriel yeah. Byrne, the ex-fiancé, yes. ex-lover, comes yes. in and catches the two of them. Yep, Gabriel Byrne. And you don't know if they ever engaged in coitus, Ooh. but it is implied that they may have had. Coiters, yeah, of course. Johnny Depp is in the bed having mm-hmm. a bit of a chill, mm-hmm. and he comes in and he's like, "Oh, I bought you a present," and he's doing the sort of um, defeated jilted mm-hmm. kind of thing. And as he turns to leave, that whole sequence is actually from a poem by Blake. Oh, okay, I understand. So that. it's about a lover right. jilted, yeah, then, right. So gifts of this, and then that and that. So it's about destroying the self. So that's where the first sort of thing. This fucking film has so many layers. Mm. 
of art school nonsense that you could spend a lot of time dissecting where it comes across like 20th century down to 19th century yeah. and then back to the works of William Blake. Okay, gotcha. Um, so because you've said because that- Because Thel is actually the name of the poem. Oh, that makes every bit of sense. And yeah. that's good. Okay, I understand that correlation. That works yeah, quite well. <laughs> and, and because you mentioned that, I have a feeling you're probably going to rate it a little bit higher than I will. Well, I'm looking at it from a different way because I'm like, ooh, that's clever. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. But- um, because of that, what he ends up doing is using her as a shield. She shields him. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So and then the bullet goes she, through yeah, her. Gabriel Byrne does this little thing and he plays such a good fucking hangdog, that guy. Yeah, he does. It's like if it was like if they were going to recast Old Yeller. Yeah. Make Gabriel Byrne the dog. And what a year he did too. He also did The Usual Suspects that same year too. Get fucked. Really? Yeah, yeah 1995. Was that 95? 95. Damn. Yeah. So he pulls out the gun to shoot... Johnny Depp's character. Correct. So he pulls out the gun to shoot William yep, Blake to William. and she dives in front of the bullet and yep. it goes through her and embeds itself in him. Into him. Johnny pulls out the gun, misses twice and then shoots him very ceremoniously in the neck. In the neck, yeah. The kills in this in this yeah. film are fucking full on. They are full on and the violence, you know, at times is, is it's, very extreme. It's... It's very the extreme violent, violent because it's that thing where it happens super fast. Very fast. And it's super brutal. It is so brutal. Yeah. The blood like, oozing out of But of that's him. that thing. Like if you're going to use black and white, let's make that, that works. blood black. See, that works there. And and this is only the first like 20 minutes of the film, mind you, what we've been talking about so yeah, far. Yeah, this is like 15 minutes in. And you know what? <laughs> and you know what? Like my engagement within the first 20 minutes to half an hour of the film was very, very strong. Yeah. And it's at this point where, yep, he's he's been wounded and he goes out he goes out of the window, he gets on a horse and he obviously runs away. But then it turns out that the the guy that he was killed is in fact Dickinson's youngest Dickinson's boy. youngest son, of course, going back to the Robert and Dickinson Mitchum really liked that horse. Character. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I know, exactly. He did. And then um, because of that, Robert Mitchum ends up um, hiring three bounty hunters. Yeah. So and this is where, like, for me, like it drops its traditional sort of narrative structure. It does, actually. I was gonna mention about the narrative structure because it does. Because it really tells a story of how he's getting there and it follows him as a character. Yeah. And then it starts doing that thing where it's Dipping to black. Yes. Scene. Again. And dipping to black. Again. Over and over. Yeah, I get the point, Jim Jarmusch. It's really chapterized. It is so chapterized. And, and, but that is a, a common motif in his films, though. Yeah, true. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. It's part of his style. And I understand his style, and I know what he's trying to do there, but after a while, it yeah. just gets far too repetitive. And see, that's interesting watching it again now. For me, I was like, probably a bit too much of this. Too much. I've, I just got over it and because of that it was at this point i mean after we're established nobody it just yeah so he's trying to dig the bullet out of william yeah, blake's chest because it's so close to his heart but then really nobody comes to the point where it's like well there's really not much else i can do you're basically a walking dead man yeah you're a corpse you're, you're a corpse because he asked him did you kill the white man and kill yeah, you that's right and it's only going to be a matter of time and he yeah so all right so the bounty hunters are hired yeah and Lance Henriksen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who plays an absolutely scary as all get out bounty yeah, hunter. Yeah, he does. Um, the guy that talks like this that was in The Crow. I can't remember <laughs> his name. Oh, I don't, I don't know. That, was, uh, yeah. that guy. <laughs> and another kid that was hired to do it. And they yeah, were, the kid, and yeah. Mitchum's just like, he's got the shotgun. He's like, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Yeah. Get out there and find this guy and kill him. Mm. So then nobody's in there and he's looked after him for a while and he can tell that he's reluctant and then he hears his name. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, about William Blake. So then he freaks out, and that's when he decides to basically take him under his wing for, yeah. uh, for his journey to death. Yeah, and that's where the film goes into this kind of spiritual kind of... It's a long trip towards a, the doom. Towards death. And my goodness, I didn't react very well to it. Really? No, I didn't. So the chapterization, like the thing that I found interesting was watching mm. it again was that the stages where they have these small moments. Um, so basically it's a journey. Yeah, it's a journey and that's So fine. he's taking William Blake as far as he can go. To go, yeah, in, in order to essentially sort of keep him alive. I and guess. that's in line with his culture. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. And the culture of the West that it is now. So nobody said, you mm. know, like the gun is now your your poetry. Mm. Like that's what you're going to do. Mm. This is what you need to learn yeah. to speak through. Like that's going to be your thing till you you're done. Mm, mm. Um, I can't pull the bullet out. It's too close to your heart. Yeah, so exactly. And he looks after him to the point where he can ride on his own. Mm. And, you know, there's scenes where they progress around. They, you can sort of see the burgeoning relationship and the bounty hunters are obviously tracking you. You can get established that Lance Henriksen's character doesn't say much. No. But when he does, you should be worried. Yeah, exactly. Then you got Very the guy ruthless. who talks too much and, and you're just like, you know he's fucked. And then the young lad who's going with him where you're just like, man, not really sure mm. whether he's full of shit or not. Mm. And so it's a cut between those guys. And then, of course, the bounty is posted. So then mm. there's other people. Yeah, the, all the dead man well. posters, wanted dead or alive, posted around the yeah, place. Yeah, so yep. it's a picture of Blake and they're telling him to do That's it. right. So some of those individual scenes with nobody. I mean, and like I go back to looking at his other work, like Coffee and Cigarettes, where yeah. it's actually separate stories. It's nearly that each one of these is its own micro chapter. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about things like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so you good think comparison. About the, you think about the way that the Ballad of Buster Scruggs work, where it's actually just chapters from chapters. the book. Chapters, yeah, exactly. And it's prefaced mm. with the, the book notes. Like, that's the kind of thing that you can nearly see in this just without the book. So you can, you know, like, chapter three, when they come across, what's Sally's name? <laughs> so like, no idea. That, you know, it's Iggy Pop's character. Oh, gosh. I don't know the name. <laughs> I actually... Can't remember a lot of the names she was, of all of them. She was Sally something because he goes through it at the it, end yeah. where they pulled him wound because he was a wanted poster, a cross dressing trapper, trap, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, and Big George was Billy Bob. Yeah, Billy Bob. And then there was that English actor. What's his name? Oh, there's so many. Oh, I can't remember. He's the guy in Chernobyl. He's really good. Oh, in Chernobyl. I watched that recently. Actually, yeah, he's the lead. Oh, I and should he know was this. The English dude in the trappers. I should know this. You should. Yeah, you yeah. really let me down with your. I'm movie sorry. I'm sorry. Story. I know. I'm all over the place. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, oh. What are you doing? So they meet. Uh, so, for example, like there's one scene where nobody tests him and says, "Look at these guys." So there's a bunch of weirdo trappers down there, obviously, and mm. you've got Iggy Pop and Drag. Yeah, it's so funny. And then you've got Billy Bob, who's massive and huge covered in guys and huge, huge you're like massive mm. mustache and yeah. real freaky looking dude and mm. a scrawny looking English guy. Yeah. And nobody tells him to go down there. And they're like, "Who are you traveling with?" And he's like, "Nobody." Nobody. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you know they're deciding which one of them will get him. Yeah. <laughs> <as a> gift. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, "Oh dear." Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like that's another point where the violence comes in. Nobody slits Billy Bob's throat. No, that's right. Another like, very violent sequence. And like so a few of those moments. Yeah, and the gunfire in it is one of those things that I appreciate as well because it's like bang, 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 and the person's Yeah, dead. Or automatically dead. I know. You know what I mean? That's like right. it only takes one shot. Yeah. And even when and when somebody's wounded, they suffer. Mm, they do. Yeah. You know, like suffer it's, real bad. it's real. What's the way you could sort of look at it? It's like a full stop. You know, it's a massive like... Ah! 
Like the brakes are on because violence just happened. So that's happening and they're going through. And and so mind you, everybody, if you haven't seen the film, this goes on for like literally about 45 this minutes. Actually, it's probably, probably even close to an, an hour, hour, actually. And so there's an hour of just traveling. It's just traveling. That's all it is. And it goes and back resting to Resting around yeah. the fire, yeah. on and the horse, and then there's shots. So it's like up through the trees. And mm. see, this is the thing. One of the things that I love about it is the composition of the shots when they're really well done through the forest and there stuff are some like point that. of view shots there that Holy are very effective. Shit. And I agree, that's the part when I was watching this. I mean, yes, I had issue with the pacing. Yes, I had issue with trying to understand where this is really going. Yeah, because it doesn't it, it doesn't progress very well. No, because the thing is you've got he's running and he's being hunted. He's doomed, and then it's just like now we walk for an hour, yeah. and now there's a bit more story about how it's going to progress. That's the problem I have with this film, and yeah. I think that it might be a problem that a lot of people might have with the film. Is obviously got to do with the pacing. Where is this going? We understand that this guy is going to be dying or is going to be close to death, but the way you get there, yeah, it doesn't really leave anything that's going to be incredibly satisfying no, because his descent into accepting his death yes. is incredibly subtle at. Best, yeah, you know what I mean. Hundred percent. So nobody takes peyote and marks his face, and then he sign he finds a dead baby deer. Yeah, that's right. Marks his face again, and he travels through Indian country, and he's not attacked. Yeah, he's Whereas not. Cole's character who kills and eats the other. Guy. I was just going to mention about Cole's character because he's really <laughs> the most ruthless out of the bounty hunters. Yes, and there's a shot in the film where he's just sitting there and he's just like eating this guy's hand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like yeah. So the you young know, guy Hannibal that were traveling, the, the young guy <laughs> that we're traveling with, he said, "Don't drink still water." Yeah, that's right. And the little guy's like, "I'm going to do what I'm going to do," and he just shoots yeah. him in the back of the head. That's right. And when Blake is on his journey, you know, he kills these, you know. Know, uh, marshals and he gets the oh, blood, the, the fawn's blood, and he puts it on his, you know, face, his yeah. face, and all of these the sorts. Same of, way that nobody did it, yeah. you know, m- mindless little things. But I think, it, yeah, it does go back to the efficacy of the representation of the Native Americans because I think as we're going closer towards William's death, towards the end of the film, yeah. you know, the, the little sort of subtle ways that they represent people as they're on their v- journey to death, yeah, is really, really effective. Yeah, and done extremely well, you know, um, with the, the the coat that he puts on at the end. Yeah. And yeah. all these sorts of little things, which I, I liked about but it. But it was also moving through their territory in the mountain where you could see them in the bushes yes. and not see them in the bushes. That's right. Like the camouflage that yeah. they were using. Mm. And then did he see someone or didn't he? Well, because that's another thing too. Because like, it goes back to that spirituality idea as well. You yeah. don't know what's real, what's not, those sorts of things. I don't know. That's how I interpret it. Yeah, but I'd, mm. I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah. Because the thing around this is like, have you seen the movie Baraka? No, what's that? I actually haven't heard of that. So there's a film called Baraka and it's shot on some sumptuous, ridiculous, like 105 mil film. Really? And it's a nature program, but it doesn't have a narration or anything like that. It's just about the magnificence of Earth. So Is it a TV show? It's fucking IMAX. No, it's huge. Oh, I see. Okay. Right? So yeah. it's just this thing where it's like sets of... Mm shots around the natural world and that's actually what this film feels like more uh, to me now that I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't have that structure and basically until they get to the trading post. Mm. So he finds nobody leaves him. Yep, he does. Which he is get- the thing to do and mm. and Johnny Depp goes solo for a while and then they come to the trading post and, that's and they where come we're, together. Yeah, and Alfred like, Molina. oh, you've got a new rifle. He's like, yeah, I killed a white guy. Do you want it? And mm. He's like, yeah, sure, great. And they go into the trading post yeah, and Alfred Molina plays the missionary right the trading post. He does. And he's horrible. He is horrible. He plays an amazingly... There's so many horrible people in this show. Mm, there is a few. A few? Yeah. <laughs> like this, They're ferocious. Yeah. So he's talking about, you know, how the trading post was like giving them smallpox like yeah. blankets and they ask him for tobacco and he doesn't have it. So yeah. he shoots him. And then he shoots decide, him. 
But then Blake ends up shooting him. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So, and then Blake, my favourite moment of violence in the film is he's sitting on a canoe just waiting for nobody to get some stuff. Yeah. And then they can hit the river. So, mm. he's sitting on the canoe, sort of exhausted mm-hmm. and resigned. And this guy sneaks up in a bush behind him and takes a shot. And it goes through his arm and he just matter-of-factly just turns around and goes... Pop. About, oh no, just a big bang. Yeah. And then that's it. That's and it. And he just turns back around and just takes a breather. But that's where it's, that's the point where yeah. it's starting for him that we know that we he doesn't have long to go. And then it's that narrative structure. So the river. Yeah, the river, is the fantastic. canoe. Yep. So they're in the canoe. So you're they getting are. that impression that he's getting closer to it. Yep. Then when he's negotiating with, and I think it's Northern, a Native American, like it's definitely towards Canada, I think. Yeah, could possibly. Um, I, I don't know the exact. Kind of no thing but about it's got, it, you know, and they're, they're very different to the other depictions that you've seen. Yeah, it's obviously, you know, and they're they're next to the ocean. Yeah, he's like, I've got to negotiate for a sea canoe and mm-hmm. get you set. They dress him up. Yep, they dress him up and they put him in the traditional Native American based yeah. clothing. It's the kind of clothing that you wear at like a, a funeral, a particular well, type it's of funeral. Actually, a funeral suit. Yeah, a funeral suit. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the same way that they sort yep. of did it. And, and, and I like I like the efficacy of that. I think that works really well. Yeah, and he's got a picture of nobody on him. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I thought which that is really sweet. The, and then that works well. Get him in the canoe, and yep. then the idea is you're going to push him out. Push and him out. He's going to go because yep. he's nearly cactus anyway. And those shots, those closing shots of the oh, film, are the best so in the film. Good. They're the best in the film. And that beach. Yeah. Like just the shots on it, so good. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So he gets pushed out and then Cole turns up after killing everyone mm. and him and nobody kill each other. They and kill thus each other. there's nobody left. No, no, that's it. And then it's just that slow. Because he can't cry out. He's too knackered. He's, He's too knackered. To He's about to die. And then that's just sort of the end of him. And then Yeah, he closes his eye and then credits. Yeah, end of the film. Yeah. End of the film. So it's I want to talk briefly about the soundtrack. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Neil Young. Okay. Distracting is all hell. (laughs) (laughs) Very different. It's one of my. It's it's one of my negatives of the film. Like it's really. It's too much. And when I was a kid watching it in the Nova, Mm. you'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden he'd hit that really dun 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 dun, and you'd be like, "Whoa, okay, I'm awake." Yep. Holy shit, it's too much. But I think it's a really. I mean, that's one of the things. Like, obviously, Ghost Dog, he let. Old Dirty Bastard and the RZA create the soundtrack for it, which mm-hmm. was an experience in itself because they rock up his house at like 2 a.m. high on mushrooms mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. they're like, we got an idea. Mm. And then sort of the Neil Young one where he was filming it sort of live for portions of the film. So he was just sort of watching the reels and playing. And what happened was at the time they were like, we're probably going to edit this and it's going to change. Neil Young's like, don't fucking worry about it. I'm just going to play. Really? Yeah. And he just did. Oh, that's fascinating. So he played it. Like large chunks of the film were mm. played live to footage. Oh, that's so he had it set up, and then he was watching it, and he was playing. Mm. That's interesting. You know, real different. I, I mean, mean, that's that's, that's a talent. That's a talent well, from his Young. end. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, he's so good, Neil Young. But when I heard the music here, and I, and and in the context of the narrative, doesn't make sense. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. I understand where Jamush is going with this. Yeah. You know, postmodern. You know, influence of. 19th century, you know, influence of storytelling, incorporating 20th century factors here. I understand all that. Well, I understand what he was doing with the soundtrack as well because it was the minimalist soundtrack as opposed to your Sergio Leone. Agreed. Like, you know, here's a full orchestra, you know, with a couple of things Mm. and, you know, 15 guitar players and 12 guys on horns. Mm. This was one man and a guitar Mm -hmm. and it scored a film. Yeah. So for me, while maybe in parts of the film it didn't work, I 
think it's a really unique way of doing it. And also, I really like the soundtrack by itself. Okay. Without watching the Without film. watching the film. You see, I felt that it was just so distracting yep. from the narrative. It uh, well, really prolonged it. There wasn't a narrative well, for an hour and a for half. For an hour and a half. <laughs> and that's that's really my negative of the film is that the, the pacing is just far too slow. And for me, after the first 30 minutes of the film, I was so engaged with the 30, first 30 minutes of the film. Besides the fact of, you know, the, the transitions and the fade to blacks constantly during the film, it was the m- most distracting experience. Yeah. I just lost because engagement from after that, after nobody it did break the journey a lot as well. It did, and, and I it feel like br- a lot of the time putting like going from shot where they were, and then putting bounty hunters in the same shot. Yeah, one fade later was unnecessary. Unnecessary. I totally agree to that because there was too many, almost in like a matter of a minute or two. Yeah, you'd be like, there's you know? three and fades to black and three scenes exactly. that might happen in the same place. But this is the this is the issue that I have with it is that. I mean, Jarmusch, it's a part of his style, but the audience understands it. We understand the process of the ellipsis here. We get yeah. it. We totally yeah, 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 get yeah. it. And I think that just that after a, a time, yeah, that. but after a time, the audience would just get over it. Yeah. And for me, I did. And the narrative structure, yes, it's quite unconventional, yeah. which I admire. Yeah, I yeah. do. But I just personally think in terms of the genre, in terms of the progression of the character, we know what's going to be happening with the character, Yeah, but it's just a matter of time. And well, I think that that lost a hell of a lot of interest for me. Well, and this is one of those films and one of the reasons I wanted to pick it because it is incredibly divisive. Very divisive. I agree. Yeah. You know, it's like, very mixed. It is so mixed. Yeah, very mixed. Because like I think Ebert gave it one. Probably. (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me if he did. But then other people gave it five. Yeah, see, it's very mixed. And And see, this is one of those ones where it's just going to fall to you, the viewer, whether or not you click with it. If you appreciate it or not. I looked at it from, obviously, there's a few different things that I can see from it knowing some of the work of William Blake. Mm Mm-hmm. And knowing some see, that's of the good. See, I don't know much like about William Blake's pro- poetry yeah. at all, so I don't understand so any of there it. There are little sections in there where you're like, ah, nice, good but reference. That, but you know, like that's obscure. It is obscure, and and this is the thing that it's only going to you're either going to love it or you hate it, or yeah. whether you understand um, some of the amazing. context, some of the context about. And I appreciate that. I do. Yeah, I know, but you're either going to love it. or Yeah, you're gonna and hate and it. that's the thing. And I have a feeling already from this that you're probably going to rate it a bit higher than I will. Well, I think I think you're going to be pretty savage on this one. Okay, you think so? Yeah, I reckon, All right, do you I think reckon, it's time for our ratings now? Fucking hit me. Okay, so... I reckon one and a half, two. Okay, so, um, look, as I said, the first half an hour of the film... Yeah. Engagement-wise, good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, some of the structural elements to the film is my negative of the film. Yeah, um, In terms of progression, um, I think that the music's a distraction. The editing just gets me at times. The point of view is also a positive, I think. You know, the representation and, and, and especially how he constructs that point of view at the start of the film, mm. the cutaways and that sort of thing. Yeah. I think the um, that's done and executed really well. Well, it starts so tight and then it, it does. just gets so but, loose. But the pacing of it, it's slow. It's Ooh. a bizarre film. It it's is weird. It's strange. It is. Um, but it's too strange for me, unfortunately. <laughs> it's too strange. And I just feel that after a while I couldn't care less about the character because I knew where it was going. Yeah, it's like Titanic. And I just wanted it to end. Titanic, I know what's going to say. Yep. So <laughs> with that, I'm going to be giving it two and a half. Oh, shit, that's higher than I thought did you Did you? You thought I was going to get a little yeah. lower? I did contemplating. I was almost going to give it a two, but I gave it a two and a half because 
I thought that the way in which parts of the narrative and the execution of it yeah, um, just gorgeous was, it, and, and there were some shots that are beautiful to look at. And, you know, I thought Johnny Depp did a, a good job in the performance. I don't yeah. think he was outstanding, but I thought that, you know, he delivered a performance that I thought was bearable. And it was believable. In yeah, believable. His, and the Native American representation too also phenomenal. adds to it. I, lo- I love nobody as a character. Yeah. Yeah, well, I give it three and a half, but there's shots in that film, and see, one of the reasons I like it so much is just some of the visuals. Yeah, some of the visuals. And, you know, like, obviously it's all period appropriate and it gives you a sort of a really rare and raw look. So as a postmodern mm. sort of Western, and as a kid who grew up watching a lot of Western, yeah, like, for me, this feels like, yeah, this is where it should go. Yeah. Like, this is where a Western should end up. Yeah. Like, there you go, people. There's a real deep one. Yeah. Fucking not yet rated. <laughs> okay, well, it's we've we've gotten deep into contextualization. We have, haven't we? And I think we've done quite well with this one today. Yeah, we, yeah, you oh. really brought it out of me. Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, you really like, did. You really it's like did. putting you through a musical, but not <laughs> exactly. Well, so, all right. Next where do you week, go? where are we going with this? <sighs> oh, next week. It's Dino's choice. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas. Which means, 1st of December, where we're recording it at the moment, means that it's Christmas movies time. Oh, shit. Yeah. Jingle balls. (laughs) Yeah. So I did some thinking about it because I thought, well, I think that it's time to get into Christmas spirit. Okay. Okay. And I thought, okay, I'm going to choose a Disney film. (gasps) Yeah. Holy shit. And I'm going to choose a film that I haven't seen since I was a kid. And it's... (laughs) The 1994 John Pasquin film, The Santa Claus. Oh, my God. Ah! Tim Allen? Tim Allen. I'm going to make you watch that. Oh, time to get my nog on. Yep. Yeah. Time to get some eggnog. Judge Reinhold. Oh, man. Peter Boyle. Oh, man. Yep. <laughs> wow. What do you think about that one? Okay, shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Look, unless it's Galaxy Quest, it always takes me a while to warm up to a to Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. <laughs> okay. What about home? What about home improvement? <laughs> yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah, just what we need. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. All right. Ho, ho. Christmas time. All right. As we conclude our podcast today, thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to your company next week with the Santa Claus. Thank you very much.